When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, welcome to the Rider Rumblings podcast. We have a very special guest this week. Uh, special is a great description for number 18, Jeff Fairholm, Rider Plaza of Honor, inductee, three-time 1,000-yard receiver, 1989 Grey Cup champion, 107-yard reception against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in 1990, still a team record, and a terrific person to boot. So um, with that build-up, Jeff, uh, the pressure's on you to uh, live up to it. Thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. What an intro. Holy smokes. I'm waiting for the cloud to cry. I'm waiting for the cloud to be clapping here. It's great. I should have found a sound effect on my phone. If I, if I had the technical expertise, I could have really <laughs> jazzed it up. But uh, maybe we can get my dog to wag her tail before the uh, podcast is over. Looking, so. looking forward to seeing Candy. She usually crashes this one. So uh, <laughs> uh, hopefully we can, uh, we can get her in there. You can meet her personally. Um, that game was a bit of a dog last week. How's that for a it's segue. Uh, yeah. Well, what do you make of that one? <laughs> you want to jump? You want to jump right in, don't you? Um, <laughs> Why not? Yeah, it was. I mean, there's tons of there's tons of excuses, which I don't think anybody takes to heart. But you can you can talk about the short week. You can talk about the the travel. You can talk about the fact that you know they, they really had a, a short amount of time to to really prepare for them and which and which quarterback was going to play too um you know it was a little up in the air in terms of whether Adams was going to play or Harris was going to play and you know there's lots of excuses but you know you're going to have one of those games uh, a year anyway so <laughs> hopefully they've got it out of their system and they can move forward well um I mean just you look at it and maybe it should have just been more predictable than it was. They were two and zero. They they hadn't played that well against Edmonton, but they still they still won the game. Um, and and you look at the adverse circumstances they're facing with having to replace Dan Clark one one full practice between games, having to fly out east. I mean, maybe it was just maybe that was just what it was destined to be, or is that absolving them of too much? Well, you know. The answer to your question is who knows, but we'll find out, won't we? We're going <laughs> yeah. to find out. We're going to find out Saturday night. So, um, you know, we'll see what kind of team rebounds. I mean, what I did like, I you know, I I, I think I tweeted some or tweeted something. Tweeted. I don't even know what the thing. Yeah, I'm I think the I one tweeted, that tweets. <laughs> you tweet. I tweet. Okay, whatever. But uh, I, I, you know, it's like what you know when I was watching Duke, you know, play that game, and he he himself, I'm sure, would admit that he didn't have a very good game. In fact, I would suggest and. I have proof that he caused those two interceptions that Cody threw, but he came back, right? He was, you know, he he came back, caught a couple passes, one for a touchdown. What I loved about that is that he didn't celebrate, right? He didn't yeah. celebrate and say, Hey, here's me. You know, I, I caught a touchdown pass. Terrific. He knew he didn't play a good game and, and it was a little bit of a comeback. So that's what I expect to see from the whole team. Whether it happens on Saturday night is yet to be seen. And so we'll find out if it was an anomaly, um, you know, last Thursday or 
you know, or, or, you know, I think this is going to be a really, it's going to be a really good temperature gauge to let us know what kind of team this is and, and how they play Saturday night. I'm intrigued by your call comment about Duke Williams. The the first interception was obvious. It bounced off him as he was sliding and mm-hmm. popped up and was picked off for a, for a touchdown. The the second one was an interception by Mike Jones on a route that Duke Williams ran over the middle and and uh, was intercepted without too much difficulty. What did you see on that play? Well, I thought that Dwayne Ford did a great job on TSN explaining it. I was actually in the middle of drawing it on a piece of paper for my wife and explaining <laughs> and explaining to her that why uh, why it wasn't Cody's fault. And what happened was when you run an in route like, like that, you're not supposed to fade it. So which means fade up field as you're coming across because you're supposed to come straight down the line or actually back towards the quarterback a touch because if you fade if you fade up field a little bit it allows the door it opens the door for the for the um, for the DB to undercut you and which is exactly what happened and then Dwayne I thought did a terrific job on on TV explaining why um, you know why that ball was intercepted if if Duke had come downhill or straight across there's no way that ball would have been intercepted the um, there's been a lot of talk at least in my inbox this week about uh, Cody every time the riders lose a game it's quarterback and you lived it when it was Tom Burgess and Ken Austin and there were quarterback controversies during that time and uh, everybody had their opinions about uh, whether it should be Austin Burgess or in some cases neither what do you make (laughs) of Cody I think he's uh, I think he's taking a, a a lot of undeserved flack right now not again to absolve him completely but I I'm just wondering what people expect sometimes around here. Tough question. Um, honestly, and I'll be completely honest, and I'm not going to be a fan. I'm not going to be very popular, but I'm not a fan of Cody in terms of how he plays. I'm a fan of him as a person. I'm So far, I he's a winner, which is great, but I question his arm strength. Um, I question his deep ball, which I've been fairly public with. Um, and I, I see the ball and it's hard to say, cause I actually have only seen him play live a few times, but on TV, it looks like the ball is in the air an awfully long time going to the wide side of the field. Um, so I question it. I haven't seen enough yet to really say that he's my guy and I know I'm not going to be popular with this. Uh, and I, but I love the guy, trust me, I do, but I'm not convinced yet. I'm not convinced that, like, I'm not convinced that he's a guy that's going to take us to the promised land. Um, I do think he's all we've got right now. I don't think Mason's ready to go. Uh, I don't think Delagala is ready to go. Um, so we have to support him. We have to to do certain things. I had a conversation <clears throat> with a Ryder fan at the gym the other day, and, and he was talking about uh, Jason Moss and his offense and. You know why are there so many short passes? And I think you know, Rob, you've been you've been pretty vocal on on Twitter uh, talking about oh another two yard pass, another two yard pass. I'll give you something to think about. Maybe Jason Moss is playing to what Cody can do. <laughs> you know, think about that for a second. And you know, maybe that's why we're not seeing the deep balls. And the deep balls that are going deep are contested. Um, really, nothing's been wide open other than a busted coverage uh, to Picton the other day. But um, you know, perhaps he's just just not suited for him, his game, and maybe the short passes are the way we need to do it. Uh, sorry, this is a really long answer to your no, question, but um, you know, and then the Edmonton, the Edmonton game as well. <clears throat> what I saw was a lot of three man rush, and again, I'm watching on TV, so uh, I certainly can't be an expert. But the back end must have been crowded because Cody looked confused. 
And uh, it seems to me that he's going, and again, it seems to me, it's not a fact because I'm not watching film, but it seems to me that he's looking at one receiver and then either can't find another receiver or to your comment about the O-line earlier, maybe he doesn't have time to find another receiver. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy watching, you know, I'm a fan watching TV and these are, these are just my opinions. And, and I know I'm not going to be popular with, with some of these, but you know, I have to tell you the truth. That's what I see. I mean, it's, it's interesting because if you look at the numbers, he's one of the more proficient deep passes, deep passers in the league this year. Um, if you look at, the aesthetics, sometimes they don't necessarily jive with the numbers. Is that a fair assessment? I think that's a very fair assessment. Um, again, I don't see the back end. I don't see the coverages they're playing. But I just don't, you know, it, it, it could be a receiver's issue. Uh, it could be a protection issue. It could be a quarterback issue. I mean, unfortunately, the quarterback gets the heat. And, you know, that's why they get paid the big bucks. But... Um, and that's why I take the heat off of him when I see it's someone else's fault. I'm, I'm quick to point out that, hey, that's not his problem. Um, it's the receivers. But um, I don't see a lot of receivers running downfield wide open, um, even on blitzes. And, you know, it's a combination of a whole bunch of things like I've tried to explain in that, you know, uh, it's, it could be the receiver. It could be it could be the, the, the protection. It could be the deep ball. It could be could be the scheme. Um, but I see I see. Um, free safeties coming over and helping out. So what's happening there is a quarterback not looking them off. Um, I see free safeties like, uh, uh, I can't remember his name, Boulay or whatever it is from Montreal. He made an interception on, on, on fine where, you know, he should be, he shouldn't even be there. If the quarterback's looking him off properly, he shouldn't even be there. Or if he is there, the ball shouldn't be going there. Um, you know, he sort of throw where they're not obviously. Um, but I don't, I just don't see a lot of separation. Uh, downfield uh, for the deep balls. You just see a lot of contested balls where they're throwing them up and saying, hey, you know, receiver, you know, Shaq, unfortunately he's hurt, but, you know, Shaq, Duke, whoever, go up and make a play, but it's really a 50-50 ball. You know, it's a good thing. I've always said the DBs play DB because they can't catch and play receiver. <laughs> but, you know, so technically it's not a 50-50 ball, but but they are. And that's what I'm seeing more and more of, and I think as receivers are doing a good job of it. Well, at the risk of buttering you up even more, what I see that this offense is lacking and that I think is hampering Cody to a degree, uh, especially on passes of that nature, is that there's no number 18. I don't see that there's a receiver on this team where if he gets a step, he's gone. I don't see any a receiver who is going to blow by somebody and, and be open on the, for the deep route. I don't see a Kenny Lawler. I don't see a Lucky Whitehead. I don't see a Jeff Fairholm. Um that seems to be a missing ingredient in this offense. Duke Williams is very good, but he's not a burner. He got open in the deep pass. Uh, Mason Fine hit him for the 45-yarder in Montreal. But there isn't – I don't think there's a receiver on that in that core who's going to strike, strike fear into the hearts of the defensive backs just by virtue of pure speed and pure, oh, my goodness, is he going to melt Stegelis? And I think that might be impeding the, the deep game as much as anything. I think I think you you might be right. Um, I'm trying to give the credit, you know. I'm trying to give credit where credit's due, or or, or um, you know, trying to give trying to give benefit of the doubt to the receivers. I don't know how fast they are. I don't know, you know, I don't know how they they get downfield. Um, I was hoping that his name is escaping me. Number eighty four, um, Jacob Prawl. Thank you. I was hoping that Prawl uh, would be that deep guy. 
Um, haven't seen much from him yet other than, you know, I think he had one catch in the first game and a couple catches against Montreal. I don't even think he had a catch against Edmonton. Uh, I'm not sure, but I was hoping that he'd be the deep guy. Uh, there's a reason why an American is playing and starting in his first year with the Riders. I haven't seen anything yet. I don't know what they saw in practice. I haven't been to practices. So hopefully, maybe he's that guy. <clears throat> but we have to have protection to allow the receiver to get downfield and create that separation too. And that's a massive issue. I mean, eight sacks in the last game, and it could have been more. I mean, Cody's elusiveness, I think, got him out of trouble for two or three more yeah. situations. It could have been sacks, even on the touchdown pass to Picton in Edmonton. Uh, he had to do a one of his spinoramas in order to get away from the pressure. He was sacked four times in Edmonton. That was before Dan Clark got hurt. So the, the cracks were beginning yeah. to show in that offensive line right out, right from the, uh, you know, well before the Montreal game, I to me it's it's sort of got that eerie shades of last year feel to it when you look at this offensive line and without Dan Clark, there's no real quick plug and play there. No, there really isn't. It takes time, and you know you're, you're playing a, a very inexperienced guy at center. Um, we've got a couple of inexperienced guys at, at tackles, um, and they, they've struggled. I think you know from what I've seen, they've struggled and. They need to plug this up quickly and we need to either, you know, we need to either, you know, fix them, have them fix themselves or get some people in that can do it. But boy, having, having a, a relative rookie playing on playing center and calling the plays, um, there were a couple, there were a couple times in the game where he looked completely lost and you know, just didn't know who to block and was just trying to catch people. You know, that's going to take some time, but you know, time is not something we have, um, at our leisure right now, we have to protect Cody because if he gets hurt, we're really in trouble. And um, yeah. So yeah, I think, I think the offensive line is, is an issue that we need to fix fast. I mean, can you scheme around? I remember, I, as you know, I like I love to go back and look at things that happened in 1903, but uh, 1993, the only offensive lineman who returned, I think was Mike Anderson. Aside from that, it was a completely new offensive line. And Kent still threw for 30-plus touchdowns, still threw for 5,000-plus yards. You still had a great year. Ray still had a great year in Narcisse. And that was with an offensive line that was virtually redone from the outset. Uh, to what extent can you scheme around this? Or is that just simply asking too much when it comes down to a, it being a game of force? You can scheme. Um, you know, you can do a lot of sprint outs. You can you can throw those little short passes here and there. You can use play action. That's where the running game is so important. Um, you know, you can use play action to, sh to slow down that rush. Um, you can do a lot of these things, but, you know, but you still have to drop back once in a while. Otherwise, they're going to play those other things. And uh, you have to be able to drop back. And, yeah, you can scheme. You can use, you know, bring a two running back set in and help the offensive line up, uh, line out as much as you can. Um, yeah, there's there's lots of things you can do. Um, it's just a matter of, of doing it and making sure that you're that you're comfortable doing it. I mean, it's hard to, you know, there there was a preseason, there was a training camp where they went through, you know, some of their playbook. Well, they need to open up that playbook a little bit and start moving the quarterback around and, and giving them some help. You mentioned the running game, and I mean, it's been all over the place this year. Virtually non-existent in the opener against Hamilton, and then Jamal Morrow and had a big game in week two against Edmonton and Frankie Hickson played well as well. And then uh, the Montreal game, it was pretty much shut down again and, and not emphasized as much. Um, I don't know what to make of this running game. Is it the running game that they, that excelled against Edmonton against a team that just cannot stop the run or, 
is is the norm going to be Hamilton and uh, Montreal? We've played three games, Rob, and all three games, like you said, are were different. And so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to see yet. I mean, again, it comes down to the offensive line too. I mean, running back is good. I mean, you you can put Walter Payton, you know, reincarnation of Walter Payton back there, and you can't run if you don't have blockers. Um, I thought that. Well, first of all, in the first game, Edmonton had a fantastic defense, and I, you know, we wore them down. And we were able to get some some uh, some scores in the in the late third quarter and fourth quarter. But they have a great defense, so give them credit. Um, in the second game, I think Mora was fantastic and the offensive line was coming off the, it was working, you know, they were using it. They were able to put drives together, like you said, and then Hicks and then against Montreal Hickson came in. I love Hickson. I think he's going to be a great running back. I saw, I saw some things in preseason that I, that I was really happy to see. And in a way, um, you know, having him on the roster, I think he came in when Duke got hurt in the second game and having him in that second game, I think was a blessing in disguise. Um, but you have to have an offensive line. And, but I think our running game is going to be key because we have to use play action to stop these, these linebackers coming in and, and stop the pass rush. Um, so, again, time will tell. It's only three games. I mean, it takes, as you well know, it takes a good five, six games to figure out what kind of team this is. Um, we don't have a lot of film to prepare for. Uh, now they've had, you know, now they've got three games to uh, to review on teams when they're playing and certainly playing back to back against Montreal helps because they know what they're going to see. So the scheming, I expect the coaching to be a much, uh, a much bigger issue, um, in a good way, um, for this game at home. So, you know, time, again, time will tell. I, I wish you had me on in, in, in week fifth, in week 15 and I can well, tell we'll you do that. kind of, uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wish you could, I wish, you know, if this was week 15, I'd have some better answers for you, but. Um, there's just not enough evidence at this point for me to tell you what kind of team this is because they're still trying to find their way. Yeah, and they've been all over the place. Uh, I mean, even within games, first half against Hamilton, yeah. they could barely throw the ball. Second half against Hamilton, they looked like uh, your heyday. Uh, Edmonton, again, not a lot going on. All of a sudden, they they catch some fire. It just, it, it's been really... You know, the Edmonton game, they they have the running game going and eventually the passing game kind of joins in. Um, and then there's no running game or passing game against Montreal. It's just right. And it's such a limited sample. How do you know? But you've, exactly. you've seen you've seen flashes from them. You've seen they can do this. You've also seen they can't do this. And it just needs some time to marinate, I guess. You know, I don't know if this is showing the right way, but we're two and one. Yeah, we're two. We're two and one. So if we were 0-3, like Hamilton, Hamilton 0-3? I think Hamilton's 0-3. <laughs> um, you know, if we were 0-3, we'd be freaking out right now. And But here we are. We're 2-1. and And all I see is, oh, my God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And you see it on Twitter. You see it on, on the news and, and papers and whatever, if they're papers now. But it, everyone's freaking out. <laughs> hope so. Everyone's freaking out. Yeah, have some, yeah I know. Have some, have some patience. Have some patience. Go to the games. Have some patience. Cheer on the team. We don't know what kind of team this is yet. If we were 0 3, I'd have a bit bit of a different tone. But there's some good stuff that we've seen, and we have to celebrate the good stuff, talk about the bad stuff, and have faith that the coaches and the players are going to fix that. That's the way I look at it. Like I said, if this was we, you know, if we were out of the playoffs at Labor Day, um, <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be somewhat concerned, but Hey, we're a two and one team right now. And, you know, there's a long season and we have to have faith in the, um, in the management and the coaches and the players that they're going to fix whatever they have issues with. 
my saying I've always used it is uh, uh, nobody talks about the planes that land. And uh, so, yeah, they were two and O and, uh, and uh, I mean, people enjoyed it. There were still some picking at the, you know, people picked away at things they didn't like within those two games, but they were still two and O. My inbox was not full. My Twitter account was not deluged with conversations. Then they lose the game and there's the figurative crash of the plane. And it, of course, this, this week has felt like it's, you know, 2015 all over again. And uh, it's, right. it's, 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 it seems that the losses tend to evoke a much more visceral and emotional reaction than the wins, unless it happens to be a playoff win. Then you get that right. reaction to a, to a victory. But uh, yeah. it's, the losses seem to really, people tend to, ruminate over the losses a lot more than they celebrate the victories and that that's media and fans it seems that's the human Uh nature we're dealing with here perhaps absolutely and you know people even when we win people are going to nitpick at the things that went wrong uh i think that's just human nature people uh people tend to to look at the negative rather than the positive and there's a lot of positive on this team i think this team has something special i really do now injuries injuries aside and that's the thing when you're going into the seasons well we have a special team well it really depends on on injuries and you know you lose dan clark and shaq evans for an extended period of time all of a sudden it's like oh what are we going to do now it's next man up and I, i don't mean to be crass but it's next man up and you know when i got hurt and i wasn't around we had people that would come in i mean we put Jeff Bentram in at slot back and he was a next man up quarterback for those young people that don't know. And, you know, we put a quarterback in, in a playoff game um, for me when I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get through the game because of a wonky ankle. I mean, you got to have next man up mentality and just forget the guy who's, you know, it sounds bad, but forget the guy who's in the training room and not able to play. You just gotta, you gotta buckle down and get it done. Um, I wish that people would look at the positive and take the positives. And I think it's a mindset shift that, that people in general need to change. Uh, me included. I, I do, I do a lot of work on mindset and I try to look at the positive things and what happened. Of course, you know, when I get asked questions from people like you, I have to talk about the negative sometimes, <laughs> but, but uh, I try to look at the positive things and there's tons of positive on this team. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm disappointed at the, and I'm, I'm changing the subject on you here a little bit, but I'm disappointed at, at, at the attendance across the league. But I have to look at the fact that, you know, the people that are there are having a great time. And hopefully as the summer, you know, progresses and comes to an eventual end, God, I hope we're not there yet. Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, comes, comes to a, 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 an eventual end that people will start showing up and going to games because this game, this game is special to me and it's a gate driven league. And I, you know, people that aren't going to games, whether the team's winning or losing are missing out on a hell of a lot of fun. Well, I look at I looked at the game and watched the game in Calgary the other night, and uh, so many empty seats. The atten- the 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 announced attendance wasn't that alarming, but just there's just globs of empty seats everywhere, and yeah. it's easy to it's easy to attribute you know look at that and say okay that's a Montreal problem, that's a Toronto problem, that's a Vancouver slash BC problem, and BC's attendance plummeted in the absence of a concert, but. Um, when I see tons of empty seats in, in, in Calgary, when I see a response that is just not often associated with, with Rough Riders fans, uh, that, that gets alarming because that's the, mere, that's the fundamental existence of the Canadian Football League we're talking about. And yeah. you see signs of indifference or inattention in those markets, in the core markets. Ugh. 
How's that for yeah, insightful? Yeah, well, no, it's, <laughs> it's it's true. I mean, I look at the attendance all the time, and and even as a player, I used to look at the attendance. And you know, when I was a player, we had full stadiums, and you know, in Regina. Now, when I played in Toronto, it was a different different story. <laughs> but in the Sky Dome, it looked like everybody could go home in one bus. But you know, at Taylor Field, I mean, I don't think people realize. You know, people say to me, "Well, if the team's winning, I'll go." Flip the script a little bit. Maybe if you go and you fill the stadium, the team will be better and they'll win. Because I don't think people understand how much a crowd at home affects affects the win or the outcome of the game. Um, it, it really has a it really has a big effect. If people are having fun in, in pill country and the players see it, I mean, you know, that first game, I think I saw somebody i can't remember who it was run into pill country you know and celebrate with the fans that's what we need to have but we need to have the stadium filled on on another point i wonder this is a game that needs to be sold right it's not like it's not like the nfl and i i won't even compare it to the nfl because it's a completely different game um different marketing different everything but i wonder if teams are selling tickets you need to sell this game not just you know, names on the field and, you know, banners and things like that to corporations, you need to get creative. And um, there are things that, that were happening way back when, when I played in, in the ancient days that I, I don't <laughs> see happening anymore. You know, I just don't think that, I just don't think there's, there's, there's enough selling of the game. And I think people, especially young people are, are maybe not exposed to it are, you know, uh, they're, they're they're not seeing how they can get to the games. I mean, I see, you know, I'm 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 pretty vocal on on the Twitter and I say, you know, I say, go to the games, go to the games. And people say, I would, but I've got this issue and I got this issue and I got this issue. With all due respect to these people, and I understand the issues, but there's ways around that. You know, if, if you can't afford the gas to get to a game, get together with your buddies and share the cost. Or, you know, if you're in Lloydminster and it's far. Get a bus together and start getting creative to to get to the games again. There's ways around it. And I go to the games. I go to the games here in Calgary. I plan to be in Regina two or three times this year to, to see games. And I buy tickets because it's important to me. Um, I Again, I don't have the magic answer. I'm a sales guy. I've been a sales guy virtually my whole life. And my dad was too. And while we both played football. And even now, and, you know, there's ways that we can get around this. You know, teams just need to get creative and, and getting people into the stands. I look way back when. My, again, my I, opinion, sorry to pontificate. But. <laughs> no, I, I totally, I totally agree. Like, uh, I think the, the change in the rider business model may have hurt them here. They went from a, you know, a community, they're still a community-based team, but they used to have uh, like designates all over the province rider reps like little every community had a rider rep and there was an advocate yep. or like a salesperson in virtually every community selling tickets selling active memberships spreading the word and they went to a more centralized kind of bureaucratic model and, and largely by necessity when you consider the degree to which the the operation grew from virtual mom and pop to look at the stadium they now have look at the uh, sales of merchandise. I mean, they needed to do it, but they kind of got away from having their representative in 200, 300 communities. And yeah. um, I just, I just don't see that there's that approach to let's sell tickets one by one, by one, by one, by one, let's convert them one by one, by one, by one, by one, you know, um, 
I just don't see that there is that boots on the ground grassroots mentality that is, I think, so fundamental to fostering attendance. You know, I, I, I sell special desks called consoles and, and, and um, I treat my Suncor client the same as I, as I treat a one position 911 center because everyone's special. And you know where I make, you know where I make my money, you know where my bread and butter is? It's not Suncor. It's the one, it's the one mom and pop stuff right to your point. And I, I, I don't know where the writer reps went, um, but I remember um, back in my day, you know, I remember Yui from, from Prince Albert, who was, you know, became, became a friend when I was there and they were at every single game. And it, it, it made me go to PA and see, you know, you know, had a cabin up North at, at Emma Lake because I got a chance to see the province a little bit, but these people, man, they were free salespeople. I don't even know if these guys were paid guys and gals. I don't even know if they were paid. They were Maybe riding a jacket paid. or something, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it was all volunteer. Yeah. Yeah. That's all volunteer. And they're, they're bringing people to the game and the one by ones is I think what we're missing. And I think that, and you know, I'm talking specifically about Regina, but every team, you know, where's the sales, where's the creativity? I don't see it in Calgary. I don't get asked to go to a game. I don't get, you know, I see the occasional ad come through, but, that's not, you know, you got to get personal. You got to get personal with people and make it personal. It's a human to human thing. And you've got to make them want to come to the game. Corporations need to, you know, local corporations, uh, corporations all over the province need to get creative and bring the entire office to the game. That's how you get it. And uh, you know, you got to get back. I think you need to get back to grassroots. There's, you know, <laughs> again, I'll bring it back to football for you. Um, when I had troubles and I had, I had troubles, I went through slumps and things like that. I, you know, what do you do when you're blocking and tackling? You go back to basics, go back to basics, get the people back in, make it fun. Uh, and it is fun when you go, it's just need to get people there and make it easier for people to get there. Uh, make it easier to park, make it easier for everybody. Um, ticket prices are too expensive. You know what? There's ways around that too. Um, figure it out. And if, and if you need the rider reps, well, let's bring all 150 to 200 of them again. It's a free sales force. Jeff, you've alluded to it, but what, uh, what are you doing these days for the people who are, I'm sure. Well, <laughs> I'm a sales guy. I'm not afraid to say it. Um, I work for a company called Evans Consoles. It's a manufacturer here in Calgary. Actually, the manufacturing plant is behind me. Um, and we manufacture special desking for command and control rooms so uh like 911 centers air traffic control towers oil and gas control rooms um yeah things like that so yeah cool we do interesting and you, and you still you still i mean we've chatted at rider games you're still uh the gas price gas prices won't be an object or a obstacle to getting back here a few times this year no, not at all. Um, in fact, my daughter, uh, my daughter Madison, is has been accepted to go to University of Saskatchewan in a graduate program. Uh, oh, cool! Yeah, with doc, with Doctor Albert, and uh, yeah, she's she's taking criminal psychology, and she's had a lot of practice, you know, examining me. But yeah, so we're you know, <laughs> so we're going to be in Saskatchewan. We're going to be in Saskatchewan quite a bit this year, and for the next five to seven years until she graduates. So, looking forward to that. Oh, cool! What what a surprise! There's intelligence in the Fairholm family. It's 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 certainly uh, gone uh, from Larry to Jeff to Madison, etc. Uh, it's uh, well, thanks for that, but it, I, I, I attribute it all to my wife. <laughs> not not, not a lot up here. <laughs> this, this head's been hit a few times, Rob. So. <laughs> 
Great. Well, Jeff, I can't thank you enough for uh, for doing this. It's uh, I this has been on my uh, uh, podcast bucket list for a while, and uh, it's uh, so kind of you to take some time. I've never been on a podcast, so hopefully I did okay. And uh, you know, you're 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 your friend, and uh, you you once in a while will mention me in the paper, and my my kids get excited, and I get excited, <laughs> and it's uh, it's nice to be remembered, and you know, it's nice to get my thoughts out there, and hopefully when people listen, they're you know, hopefully I'm not not upsetting too many people because I am somewhat opinionated. Well, now, now you've done it. You've basically made yourself a repeat invitee. So you might want to block <laughs> me before I start asking too chronically. So. No, you're always welcome in my inbox, Rob, anytime. You know, oh, that. I, I appreciate that, Jeff. I just got to read this uh, thing we call an outro because I'm told to. Uh, so if you can bear with me here, I'll try to get through this with sure. flawless elocution. If you enjoy the podcast, please leave a review and a five-star rating. It helps us grow the podcast. You, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to send us a question, you can email Rob at at rvanstone at postmedia.com. So much for the flawless elocution, and we'll read it on the show. You can follow me, Rob, on Twitter, at Rob Vanstone, or in absentia, Murray McCormick, at Murray LP. Jeff, where can people find you on uh, Twitter? Slotback18. Yeah, I'm... yeah, Slotback Eighteen uh, on Twitter. That's where I do most of my uh, most of my rider stuff, especially. Um, I'm on Facebook. That's that's primarily for very close friends and, and things like that. And I do I do uh, business stuff on on LinkedIn as well. So you can find me pretty much by just looking for my name. Perfect, Jeff. Thank you so much. It's uh, Candy did not crash the podcast. I'll try and give you a shot. There she is. She's yeah, she's rather, sleeping. Rather <laughs> undignified right now, sort of like her her owner. <laughs> Uh, For Jeff Fairholme, I'm Rob Vanstone. Thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we'll do this again uh, uh, next week if I'm still breathing. Take care and have a great day. Bye, everybody.